The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Ooh, shiny. So, this is today is Thursday. Yeah. On Tuesday evening, I had to give a presentation in my my capstone film analysis course. That's a five thousand level film analysis course mm -hmm. for my senior project. The presentation was my senior project, but I had to give my presentation on the movie She's Gotta Have It by our our wonderful leading man, Spike Lee. And me and my my group members happened to find that it was difficult to give a presentation on the movie She's Gotta Have It without uh, very directly addressing how... Uh, women are treated in the movie mm -hmm. and or the main character mm -hmm. and then in the middle of my presentation the man who i hate most in that class <laughs> raised his hand and nobody else was raising their hands so i couldn't ignore him so i said yes and he said i think this movie is a feminist piece <laughs> <laughs> This is She's Gotta Have It by Spike Lee. The title of the movie is She's Gotta Have It. <laughs> I think this movie is a feminist piece. And I said, okay. And then later on in the, in the same class day, not only did I have to hear him say that, but then later on we were having a discussion and somebody said something about some movie and he raised his hand and said, well, I mean, just, okay. Speaking of women, that's how he started his sentence. Speaking of women. And that's what my day-to-day -day life is like. <laughs> should, uh, should, we, should we move on to happier, geekier things? Sure, that was a little spicy maybe for the podcast. I don't know. Oh, okay, well, welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer and editor Scott Pearson, and along with my daughter Ella... Hello. We are two generations of geek. This is episode 58, Geek Actors Live on Stage, as we discuss all the cool actors from film and TV that I saw on stage in London. And, and a little bit from me on that as well. Mm -hmm. Now, on with the show. Okay, as our listeners know and or remember, you spent an entire school year in London, gave I you sure the opportunity did. to go see a number of stage plays. Mm -hmm. And the thing about, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, the, the thing about English actors is first that there's only 12 of them and they're in everything. But not only are they in everything in the movies, but they're also in everything on stage because British actors tend to do all. both stage and screen, where here in the States, it's usually a much more solid divide. You have some people that cross the boundaries, you know, like Meryl Streep does stage work and other, you know, other people do stage work. But... I mean, but that's why, and I'm going to say something and I'm going to refuse to explain it because I'm not a theater or an acting major. I'm a film major. <laughs> that's why British actors are like that. Because they train not just for on-camera acting, for acting in general, as well as on-camera acting and 
uh, stage acting, theater yeah. acting. Yeah, they've all it. done Shakespeare. Exactly. I first learned this when I was living in England 4,000 years ago when I was in college. <laughs> you know, I went to some plays, uh, went to a few Shakespeare plays in Stratford-upon-Avon, and that's wa- the I wish that I had been able to go see a play in Stratford upon Avon. But I also don't care about Shakespeare. Seeing <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. Spicy. Um, hot take. Uh, I saw Kenneth Branagh's Henry V on stage in Stratford upon Avon years before he then made a f- the film version. And on the stage version, I don't remember in the film version, but on the stage version, the narrator was played by Ian McDiarmid, no one other than Emperor Palpatine himself. What? Wow, that is... um. <laughs> that's high-powered geekery on that's, stage. And it's timely is what it is. And timely. I didn't realize how timely it was at the time because I didn't know that they were going to go back and just dig him up and of put him in the not, movie. Is he dead? Was he in? Did he do the voice? He did the, uh, as far as I know. For Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Huh, for Rise of... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm the that was um, mean. for rise of last name you chose for a family He was astonishing on stage as the narrator. He did this did he thing. Say, Do it. Well, he did this thing where he was like projecting bro actors. And then all of a sudden he was whispering. And the stage was so quiet, you could just hear him and it was amazing. Actors are but, weird. You know, I, I would go to the play, get the, the the program. When I would get back home, I would start, you know, get, like get back to my flat. I would be, I'd start looking through the program a little bit more closely. And so there's the list of all the actors and then it would have a list of their credits. And you would be reading through the credits and like every one of them, because of movies shot in London, it's like every one of them had been in at least one Star Wars film. And they, like, everyone had been in an American werewolf in London. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really when I realized that, wow, actors are a whole different breed over here in England than they are in America. So that was decades ago. It's the same now. And you got to go see a bunch of people. Um, because your first thing was you you did this big Harold Pinter thing, right? Yeah, well, the Pinter Theater was doing, like, a when I was there, they were doing a season of, like, Pinter at the Pinter. And so they were doing a, a bunch of Harold Pinter plays. So, yeah, so I ended up seeing a lot of them because I I wanted to see actors that I care about. And so did you know always before you went to the play that, oh, I'm going to go see, you know, I'm I'm seeing Bilbo on stage tonight or whatever? You knew beforehand? Yeah, yeah I'd buy the tickets, yeah. So the first, yeah, so the first time I went, it was because... Martin Freeman, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I didn't know the plays beforehand. I was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to see Martin Freeman on stage. So I bought the ticket and I went. Martin was in a play called The Dumbwaiter. And then it was like, the only way I can, like, I, like, describe it to people is that he was, like, exactly the way he is in TV shows or movies that he stars in or has a part in mm-hmm. where he's very like almost almost like casual which I think when you can describe somebody when you can describe an actor mm-hmm. as like almost casual it's like to me that's like a huge compliment because it's like you're yeah. an actor and your performance is nothing but exceedingly 
normal. And I mean that in like you're acting the way you're like, I can't yeah, see it's, you it's as very, anything but your character. Yeah, it's very naturalistic and he's just yes. in character and he stays there. It is there. so hard yeah. to describe the way Martin Freeman is. But so seeing him on stage, I was like, oh, this is going to be so interesting because I, I loved him so much in Sherlock. His performance in Sherlock was fantastic. I, I loved him in the Hobbit movies, even though they, they could have given him more to work yeah. with. Did you watch Fargo? I, I did right before I okay. saw him. Um, and he was amazing in Fargo. Him doing a Minnesota accent is stunning. hilarious. Stunning. <laughs> um, and then on stage, he, like his, it's weird because somebody like Ian McKellen has a presence. Oh, and man. I know he has a presence and I've never been in the same room as that man. And Martin Freeman, I wouldn't be like, I'm going to go see Martin Freeman, The Hobbit. And he's going to have a presence and his like command of the audience mm-hmm. and his, uh, his act, his comedic timing. It was hysterical. Like there's this one bit, I, the play is so odd because it's like these two guys and they're in this room alone for the majority of the play. And it's like Pinter. And so it gets a little weird where you're like, what that, but that's him. But him, but who, what's, what, <laughs> where am I? It's like all of a sudden it's like sci-fi. You don't really know why. Um, but only for like five seconds, but so it's like him and this other guy in a room alone for the whole play, but it was just the funniest, but also like, it was like moving and like real and like Mm -hmm. his presence was amazing. And I don't know how to describe it. It was just, there was this one part that was so like laugh out loud funny, which I think was actually in a clip that they shot for like a promo. Mm -hmm. So I think we could probably find it where he like is mad and he's talking about something and then what keeps happening is there's like a dumb waiter behind them and but they can't make any foods like it's it's it'll be like nachos or whatever and he's like what do we do with it, it says not we don't have any nachos I, I think is the bit i'm this is so odd anyways so he's like doing a bit he's like upset and then the dumb waiter opens and he's like fish and chips or something but he yells it in the same way that he's been yelling i don't even know how to describe i i it was very good i do want to interject here you you mentioned Ian McKellen. Mm-hmm. I had the great luck to see Ian McKellen live on stage in his Richard the Third, before I knew who Ian McKellen was at all. And again, I was lucky because I saw him in the play, and then he eventually made a film version of it. Well, because he was is... in he was in the um, what's it called? The Royal Shakespeare Company. What's it called? The Royal Shakespeare Company is that is what it's called. Yeah. Oh, it didn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I wanted to get back to Martin Freeman because you said he wasn't on stage alone all the time. There was someone else. His co-star was Danny Dyer from EastEnders. I I can give that a geek connection because he starred in the low-budget comedy horror film Severance that was written by James Moran, who also wrote... Uh, for Doctor Who and Torchwood, and we met him at um, Convergence. Oh, okay. And so all of the <laughs> Brits were like losing their freaking minds over Denny Dyer, yeah. who actually did come to the stage door. Um, who Martin the entire run, I think, only went to the stage door like twice. Uh, but I waited for him just in case, Martin. <laughs> and um, but Denny Dyer came out and was very like finger guns, but like very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and had like a little hat on and was like smoking a cigarette. Like he was like a very, he was like, seemed very cool. 
he was like smoking a like in the way that smoking a cigarette used to make you look cool but then also he was like <laughs> blowing the smoke like straight up in the air so he didn't so nobody was like sucking in the like cigarette smoke and i was just like oh my Very god nice. you're so cool no, he was so sweet, and I was completely... It's like I had no idea who he was, and I was still, like, a little starstruck from seeing him on stage, and he came over, and I was like, hi, can you, do you think you could sign? He was like, of course. And I was like, thank you. And he was like, you're welcome. He was, like, so... <laughs> he was so sweet. And then the lady next to me, it was, like, her birthday, and her friend was like, Danny, it's her birthday. And it was so weird, because they, they were, like, at least 60. Mm-hmm. And so these two ladies, and one of them was like, Danny, it's her birthday. And he was like, oh happy birthday honey but like in a way where it seemed like he knew them from before but uh-huh. he didn't like it was very he was very yeah he was very sweet and smooth uh but i don't uh you know i don't fault martin for not uh not coming to the stage door that's a lot so i saw rupert graves who played inspector lestrade on the bbc sherlock because i loved him he was in victoria station and it was like three very short plays i think in one night and he so he was in the one in the middle he was so good obviously mm-hmm. Is like about a taxi driver, but he was like on the phone the whole time. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was very funny. Did a very and good was job. like this a very minimalist stage thing? Was he oh, just sitting yes. in a chair? And... Of course. Cool. <laughs> cool. It was almost always like him by himself on stage. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he so was So he had really to carry the, yeah. the whole and thing. And he was really funny. And it's like this, it's like him on the horn with somebody at the cab company or whatever. Yeah. He was doing this like this uh, lower class uh, London <laughs> accent. It's not like Inspector Lestrade is a comforting character, mm-hmm. but for some reason I hear his voice and I'm like, yes, father, even though it's not <laughs> like, I don't know what the, but it's just like, it was very, it, yeah, it was very. Did you find yourself distracted? Because this is the thing when you have people who are, have become, you know, very famous in certain roles mm-hmm. or roles that you've seen them in. It wouldn't be as big a deal for Graves because Lestrade is a little bit more of the supporting character, or whatever. But you know, he was a big deal to me, though. But, like I was but like, yeah, I mean, that's freaking Lestrade, and I I yeah. know his voice anywhere. So, and then and then of course with Freeman, who's even looms even larger in Geek Hearts. Well, and right before I saw him, I watched the entirety of Fargo because I was like, yeah. God forbid, I meet Martin Freeman at the stage door, and I hadn't watched Fargo. So, did you find yourself? Uh, distracted at all because you were watching Bilbo or whatever and then did it take you any time to sort of adjust and then you were just seeing them in their role? How quickly did they dispel the other roles by their performance? It felt very, and I mean, maybe like I had the luck to see actors on stage who were just like good Mm -hmm. actors. It was very like their voices it's weird hearing their voices because they're so familiar yeah like that part it was like the just the sound of it was a little odd but not in like a distracting way just in like a i know them way where yeah. you're like oh that's my friend but it's like not your friend <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. no there's like a there would be like a few seconds where like the curtain came up or whatever and it's like that's yeah him <laughs> but you know it was like for most of the shows that i saw i was far enough back where it's like still you still have this sort of like disconnect where it's like I'm in the nosebleeds at the Pinter Theater, yeah. which is like small, but also like old, like old London buildings. They're like still tall. And so I'm like at the back, at the top, mm-hmm. 
because I'm like, yeah, I'll buy whatever ticket is 15 pounds. <laughs> so yeah, there'd be like a moment, especially with especially with uh, Martin Freeman, actually, there was like a moment where the audience definitely was like, that's Bilbo. Especially there were like, yeah. you know, other nerds near me who were like, <gasps> yeah. like audibly like when the curtain came up and he was on stage. But um, both of them and then also everyone I saw was very like, it would be like there was a moment and their voices the whole time sounded so familiar, but they were very, yeah, they played their roles very well. Uh, well, I've seen Patrick Stewart on stage mm-hmm. in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm-hmm. Grandpa. And, and, you know, it was obvious that, you know, a lot of people that were that were there were there because of Jean-Luc Picard. And so you get this... How could you not? You get the, yeah. So you get this great weird mix of, like, half the audience is hardcore theater people and then half the audience is hardcore geek people. And then they're overlapping for this particular performance. Well, I also saw... Every Good Boy Deserves Favor, mm-hmm. the Tom Stoppard play. And what I had completely forgotten until just looking it up now was that it was actually directed by Patrick Stewart. Oh, my God. And it starred Gates McFadden, Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, and oh. Cole Meany. And, I mean, it was four people from Next Gen. The dream team. Toured in this dad. in this play. Not you, Dad. Them, Dad. Brent Spiner's <laughs> my dad. You're gone. You're and, fired. And of course, you know, every time that we you know when they first came out, it's like the audience, the geek audience, is going whoa, you know. But then very quickly, people settle down and they just get into. Now I'm watching this stage play, and the actors are acting, and they're not acting like their characters that you know. And yeah, so it's all it's yeah, it can be very strange and, and funny seeing the people that you know in uh, in these different roles. But uh, we're not done with uh, London yet. I'm looking at my notes here. You also saw Daredevil on stage. Charlie Cox, right? Yes. I did not. He was a plus. I did not go to see that well, play you'd, you'd for never, Charlie yeah, Cox. Yeah, you, you'd actually had never watched uh, Daredevil. No, I did. I watched the first season. Oh, yeah. And two. it was just a bit grim. It didn't grab you. And so you moved on no, from it. No, it was nice. I just, I've never, the superhero TV shows, I've never, they've never quite done it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's not like I was a huge Daredevil fan, but yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a plus to see him on stage. That was wild. Who was in the play with, uh, Charlie? Zoe. I'm almost certain it's Zoe, Z-A-W-E, Ashton. Oh, yeah. Was the female lead. Yeah. yeah. She played the, um, like a receptionist for, um, Jason Isaacs in a British TV show called, uh, Case Histories. Because they all know each other. <laughs> Because they, yeah, but you went to see her or you knew about who she was beforehand? Was that what you were saying? Um, no. I, I went to see Tom Hiddleston. Oh. Who many people would only recognize as Loki from the <laughs> Marvel movies. His name, they know his name a little bit more now sometimes. But people, usually I have to be like, I, oh, I love the actor Tom Hiddleston. And everyone's like, who? And I'm like, oh, he, uh. One of the things he's done is uh, play Loki in the Marvel movies. And then people are like, oh, him? And I'm like, him. Because nobody puts any respect on his name. I think it was actually shortly before. No, it was like a, uh, not that long after I'd got to London that they announced his the, the run mm-hmm. of Betrayal starring Tom. And I was like, oh, my God. So Betrayal, I, uh, Betrayal was the reason why I knew about the, the Pinter at the Pinter. Me and my friend, we were in, we did the whole, like, ticket thing, like, in, like, four waiting rooms on, <laughs> like, three different browsers and uh, got tickets in the in the third row, which, thank God, because I think second, I think first row, I was going for first row, and I think it would have been too much <laughs> for me to handle. 
because he, uh, let's see. So he was in Thor, which I loved, loved, loved. But then I feel like I really like, well, I guess I, when we started watching the MCU movies very close to when Avengers hit theaters. So that was 2012. Yeah. So I think I probably watched Thor and then watched the Aven- Avengers in the same year. So I loved him as Loki thought. I mean, like, you know, yeah, flawed character, whatever. It's kind of evil, maybe redeemable. Checks a lot of boxes for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So it was 2019 that I saw him in person, and I had I had you know been a a fan since 2012. Yeah. <laughs> and now, what was the name of the play that he and Charlie and Zoe were in? Betrayal. And so now that's a more of a straight powerhouse drama. Yes. Because the other ones you mentioned were more comedic. They're yeah, they're comedic and they're weird in a way that yeah. like really only it's very it's very pinter. So then what was it like seeing him in a really dramatic thing? Because obviously when you see him in the MCU movies, it's all, you know, yeah. snarky and He well, there were funny moments, but I knew like I'd seen his other a lot of his other stuff, like I knew that he was gonna send it. And I'd also been watching mm-hmm. Like, I did not see opening night. I did not try to get tickets for, I, it was like right, not in the middle, not in the middle, but like slightly towards the end where I was like, we're going for these dates because it was very strategic getting the whole first few rows thing. So I wasn't like necessarily very surprised by like the drama of it all, the acting. It was shocking to be in the third row. (laughs) (laughs) If only this were a video cast, people would have just now been amused by our cat, Ripley. She's got Tarzan syndrome, Climbing bro. up over the back of the chair. You're going to call it anything but Tarzan? That's Tarzan <laughs> syndrome. You're, it's okay. You're an only child just like me. It's okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, but, so how was the play? Um, it was amazing. It was very, the staging was fantastic. The acting obviously was fantastic. Yeah. The actors all had very good chemistry. The staging was very... So all three of them are on stage almost the entire time. Mm-hmm. And the play is about, like, infidelity. Yeah. With, you know, like, your husband's best friend. And all three of them are on stage almost the whole time. So it's, like, there's these really, like, intense scenes where, like, a husband and wife are, like, talking about, like, her affair or, like, whatever. But it's, like, also the dude who she had the affair with is still kind of on stage or like she'll mm-hmm. be talking with the the character that she has the affair with but like her husband is still on stage not like his character is actually there but yeah, it'll be that, like that's the way they stage Zoe it. and Charlie will be having like an intense conversation about how they're cheating on her her husband and and his best friend and like Tom would be like leaning on the back wall like watching and it Interesting. was very wow it was a lot yeah Actually, it was a fart. There's a little girl in it too, and she was amazing. And that was a full length play, as yeah. where the other ones Long were kind haul. of little vignette yeah. things. It was really, really good. I saw it twice actually. And you actually, and there's a couple that you saw that we haven't really talked about because they just not, they didn't have huge geeky actors in them. Yes, they yeah. didn't have actors that I knew. I saw them. Yeah, they were you know before or after Victoria Station or I think before mm-hmm. the Dumbwaiter. Still all very fantastic. I'll bet. I, you know, if anyone listening to the podcast has never gone to a live professional stage play, I, I just, you, you, you can't recommend it enough. It, well, it's hard because know. like, especially like in the Twin Cities, like we have a decently, like we have a decently good theater here. And so like you can go see a play, but it's not like going to see a play like in London on the West End or like whatever. Yeah. And so like, it's weird 
like that was part of the thing with like Tom Hiddleston is that like I'd been a fan of his for so long and he had been in the, a Shakespeare play many years beforehand called Coriolanus which like not very many people like know it's not like one of his like more famous plays um and so I but they taped it and like had it run in like theaters in the states and so I went to like see it and it was like Clearly, I became a film student, so I love movies, and so theater was mm -hmm. never really my thing. I did musical theater in high school, which I love musical theater, so, like, the, the drama and the singing and everything, and it's very different. <laughs> um, but seeing him perform Coriolanus, just, like, it changed the way I read, and, not, like, it changed the way I read Shakespeare, and it changed mm -hmm. the way I read uh, scripts for plays in general, so it was, like, a big, it was a big deal, and I saw him in person. Oh, yeah. It's a whole different deal when you, when you see a proper performance of Shakespeare. It it makes it so much more accessible. Yeah, well, I also am not like my talent doesn't lie in acting. And so when I read a script, it's not the same way where an actor reads a script where they can really put this like depth to it. Like clearly I'm I'm a film major, I like read scripts, I understand, like whatever. But it's it is not the actors have a very different understanding yep. uh of of that of that material than I do. What was the um name of the uh housekeeper character that you played in uh, your high school production of Sound of Music? Frau Schmidt. Frau Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> I had some solid lines. Well, you gave some looks, I remember, to Yeah. Well, like the kids or something. Yeah. When they probably. weren't behaving or something and or, no, there's one or, scene where I was like directed very specifically to like glare at yeah. one of the characters. And, and you and nailed that ever, glare. I remember boy. like I never really understood why it was so funny. <laughs> I think it was just funny because he said something that was like almost smart and then my character's like uptight and I then it's like I glared yeah, at him. It was a great glare. It was very hard. I it's like every time I turned away from the audience I laughed. Like I held it right until my back was to the audience and I started laughing. <laughs> Okay, so that was all of the uh, Pinter plays, right? Should we yeah. move on? Yeah. Let's move on to Rory, <laughs> Arthur Darvel. Yeah. Doctor Who's Rory, live on stage. Yeah, I saw Sweet Charity. Um, and did you the... go Did you go to Sweet Charity to see Rory, or were you just mm -hmm. going to see... Okay. Well, I also... Um, you like musicals, so... I like musicals. It was directed by, I believe it was directed by the woman who directed Coriolanus. It was at the same playhouse, the Donmar Warehouse in Covent Garden, which is weird because it's very, it's not like the vibe, I don't think, well, isn't very Covent Garden. It's very, um, <laughs> so she directed Coriolanus and the, the Coriolanus was also at the Donmar Warehouse. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I'd like to see the this production play. with, with Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Many years ago. And so I was like, well, I'd like to see this play directed by this woman who directed this play that I yeah. also loved at the same place that I loved so much. Um, and it was so good. I'm going to step back before we talk a little bit more about the play. Was it weird just being in this this uh, theater where you had seen the stage on video? I definitely watched Coriolanus more than once. And so I was familiar with the the stage and yeah, it was very weird. I also, I was very lucky. London's really good about like pricing stuff for students. And so like the ticket I got, it was a student night. And so it was like 10 pounds or something. Oh, that is so nice. And I was like front row. Because that's the other problem about the theater is that it can be prohibitively expensive to go see the theater, especially 
I mean, if you're talking about the States and going to a Broadway play or something, tickets can be insane. Which I will say, I um, when I saw Betrayal twice mm-hmm. within two months, um, that was before they got their Broadway deal. I'm just going to say <laughs> right now, they did go to Broadway and I did see them before that, but it's fine. No, yeah, so it was, uh, it was wild. Well, it's a very distinctive because it's not like it's like a normal, it's not like theater in the round. But it's like it juts out into the audience, so you can sit on like three sides of yeah. the stage. A thrust stage, I believe. Sure. Is what it's called. Yeah, well, I was on the side, so it's like I wasn't front row, like at what you would consider to be the normal front row. Mm-hmm. I was on maybe the last seat, honestly, on the side. I was really happy I took that seat, not a seat on the second level, honestly, because it was so like you were like in it. Yeah. And then Arthur Darville was very close to me, mm-hmm. and it was like I was just like, it was so weird being so close because I was like staring at him being like, <laughs> that's Rory. Like it was so, especially since I, I love Doctor Who so much in middle school, especially yeah. I was just like, this is weird to look at you. And did anyone lose it at any of these plays you saw and shout out Loki or Rory or No, anything thank like God that. I would have been so embarrassed. <laughs> they definitely, the, I will, security at the, at uh, the Harold Pinter Theater like they really had, they had a handful sometimes on the stage door. I yeah. know there was a lot of, there was, and I, because also because like I'm on like Twitter or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the whole time I'm like looking at people being like, stop freaking out at the stage door. You're <laughs> ruining it for everyone else. Yeah. Stop being a lunatic. <sighs> I mean, I'm always, you know, obviously I'm a super geek myself. We're both super geeks. The geeks are our peeps. But sometimes. Our peeps can get a little enthusiastic, over-enthusiastic. I did see and it girls seems... arguing loudly with security at the Pinter Theater. Well, and I was like, you guys need to... I seem to recall that there were some embarrassing people at Every Good Boy Deserves Favor that like couldn't help but express their Star Trek enthusiasm. And it's like, well, but, but we're not at Star Trek. We're at yeah, this other play. In the of the play. You and so yeah. you need to... <laughs> Um, <laughs> I understand the love completely, but cool. Just try to be cool. No, yeah. Arthur Darville was amazing, too. It was very, yeah, that, uh, that was a fun play. what was that play again? I forgot. Sweet Charity. Oh, yeah, Sweet Charity. And so Rory singing. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and he's not in it. A, his character isn't in it, like, a ton. Okay, but, did, but he, um, did he get a song? Did he have his own song, or was he just... I don't think he even sang that much, actually. I'm not super familiar with no, the I wasn't either. particular play. No, um, that one's I really fun be, there, too, because there's, like, but... a bit where the girl, the main girl, she, like, falls in, like, a pond, like, a lake. But, like, it's on stage, and so they had her in this, like, swing. Like, she was swinging, and then when she falls in the lake, it's, like, a, like basically a big ball pit, and it just says lake on the side. <laughs> It was so, it was so fun. And I then the love balls, like, how you can do everywhere. stuff like that on the stage. Well, and literally because it was so like, because it was a musical. So the opening number before they start singing, they're like dancing around. And then like yeah. you see like characters came out and like wrote like lake on the side of the thing and like mm-hmm. dry erase. Mar- it was. I love how you can it do. It was so fun. I mean, people talk about in like in film, in science fiction films and fantasy films and stuff about the suspension of disbelief. But. That's a on the theater. It's a whole other world because you can do those sorts of weird things in the theater, where you just say lake and it's a ball pit, it was so good, dude. <laughs> and it works. Somehow it works. We're able. We process 
that that live performance yeah. in a completely different way, and you just like you go along with it. It was so fun. Which is part of the magic of how musicals work too. Yeah. That you just go along with. Yeah, people break into song. It's not real at all, but it just. I just wanted to say that one of the plays, one of the Shakespeare plays mm-hmm. I saw in Stratford. So you're right there, little Billy Shakespeare's hometown, Stratford. Billy. Little Billy, we used to call him, and uh, you you expect. I went in there as an American expecting that, okay, Shakespeare in Stratford, this is going to be like classic, stuffy British theater. You know, I I had this sort of stereotype thing in my mind. And it was so not. It's just like they're crazy. I mean, there was, I can't remember which play, but in one of the plays, one of the instruments in the band or the orchestra was a typewriter. There was a guy that would occasionally clack on the keys and then you would like ding, you'd hear the bell at the end. People go wild with Shakespeare the, the, plays, honestly. There used to be these things called typewriters. <laughs> but then, I believe it was in that same play, um, there was some scene in the play where there was, that it, that it was supposed to be like carnival or celebration you know there was some sort of festival going on was part of the play and so the way that they helped enliven the stage was the the musicians just came up on stage but they weren't dressed like the characters on the stage they were in their different clothes and so it was completely untraditional. It was just like crazy stuff that you would not think of for Shakespeare and certainly not in Shakespeare's hometown. But uh, but no, I mean, they, you know, got inventive. They got weird. They did crazy things. And that's what keeps Shakespeare fresh for hundreds of years is that, you you know, you mess around with it. But I didn't see a single Shakespeare play. When I was there, that's too I bad. Almost, it would have been nice I if you'd gone to the Globe it, or to the. Yeah, well, they but, just weren't. Playing. But there's so much to do; you can't see everything. There's so but. much to do, and I looked at the Globe more than once. And they just weren't playing like a Shakespeare play that I really, really cared about. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I know it'll be good if I go, but there's not actors that I care about, and they're not playing yeah. plays that I like. Um, right before I left, actually, what's her name? Brienne of Tarth. Oh Captain yeah. Phasma. She was in a Shakespeare play that opened like the week before I left, oh. and I just like couldn't. I was yeah. like. I can't squeeze it in, which was a bummer. But anyways, the summer after I left London, Marina Sirtis was in a play in London oh, yeah, about yeah. like a washed up sci-fi actress. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to stay in London for another month and half, see Marina. And 50% of the reason is see Marina in this play. And then it your, was just like. Your close personal friend. Oh, God. She. Because you've, you've had a couple of great interactions with her at college. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's yelled at me more than once. Yeah. She's the best. <laughs> she's great. She's a she's a hoot. She's a character. So you have one more very special person that you saw live on stage. What was the play? I can't remember. Yeah, I saw an Ibsen play mm-hmm. called Rosmer's Home. <laughs> Rosmerum. Rosmer Rosmer's Home. Okay. Rosmerum. Something like that. Do you want to spell it? R O S Rosmer's R O S M E R S H O L M. Ah, okay. Rosmerzum. Okay. Rosmerum. So they must say that name 95 times in the play because the house is also called Rosmerzum. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow 
<laughs> Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, another MCU. Haley Atwell, Peggy Carter. Which should have had at least a third season. She was wild. That was a, that was a, that play. So that's Ibsen. So that's powerhouse drama. Yeah. Bleak well, existential even, uh, drama. I mean, not to let, I mean, listen, plug your ears for the next 10 seconds, but they both drown themselves at the end. Why? Oh, just a little. Both of them. Fun night at the theater. At the beginning, I think somebody else drowns themselves. <laughs> Yikes. It's so, <laughs> anyways, still very enjoyable. That and... was the theater. I don't remember what theater it was in, but that was the theater where I went downstairs to get like a cider and the dude was like, oh, I'm going to need to see some ID before I get sent to jail or whatever <laughs> the British equivalent of jail is. And then when I gave it to him, he went, oh, well, first I started talking and he went, oh, an American, bless your heart. <laughs> and, then I, and then he did the bit about the ID. And then I gave him my ID and he said, Minnesota, a fine state. And I was like, do you not, are, what is the bit that we're doing? Oh, And so how was Haley live on stage? Amazing. Of course. I'll bet. And stunning. She's great. Yes. She's fantastic. I mean, I think sometimes, I think that there are times here in the States, I think when people, you know, sci-fi movies and stuff, a lot of them, they're not taken very seriously. I mean, it's a little bit different now. Things have, you know, times have changed a bit, but people still tend to not take them too seriously. And then the kind of characters that sometimes are in the sci-fi movies, maybe the characters aren't written as deeply. There's not yeah. as much there for an actor. And so sometimes people don't realize the quality of actors that are doing some of these films now, particularly that the genre has uh, taken over Hollywood so yeah. much. And so they're able to get all these people that are really serious actors, actors that can go on, you know, do an Ibsen play on stage before a live audience that takes serious acting chops for a number of the plays that you went to, you would go do the wait at the stage door thing. Let's list the people that you got to meet. Uh, Danny Dyer, Zoe Ashton. They signed the program or something. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. We might have, we might have to put pics of that up on yeah. the website or something. And then I, when I went to see Haley, it was like a Monday or something where it was like not a weekend, and I was like, I think I have a good chance. So I went and I waited and I was like the first person there because I made sure I knew where the stage door was. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and I waited for like maybe a half hour, 45 minutes. Made friends with this girl in line next to me who's now studying abroad in D.C. actually. And then Haley came out and it was like she, the way that she is, I don't know. But she just came out wearing this flowery jumpsuit and these high heels and just was like, as sweet as she could possibly be. And I was mm -hmm. so terrified to speak to her. <laughs> and she spoke to both me and the girl who I like made friends with. She talked to us for like a long time. Like she talked to the girl who, uh, Laura, next to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then talked to me for a long time and took a picture with both of us, obviously. And like talked to us for a long time about the plane, whether we had read Ibsen stuff before and like whatever. Both of us were too embarrassed and or polite to be like, oh my God, I loved you in Captain America. <laughs> because like I didn't, I was like talking to, you know, I was talking before and I was like, I don't want to be the person who comes to see her in this 
beautiful play she's put her heart and soul into for however many months and then she comes to the stage door and it's like i love superhero movies and how <laughs> what was it like kissing chris evans or whatever <laughs> um so i wasn't like bro i'm a huge fan really you were fantastic in this and i love the show i was just like that play was amazing i've never seen an ibsen play before it's so great to meet well, you and you got such a great pick with her She's so yeah. You know, and it's all and it's one of those little uh, live picks. So when you're when you're yeah, is, when you're yeah, watching it on the on an actual iPhone, you get this little motion, and it's so much fun. She was so sweet. Haley would be your favorite interaction probably because that was the you know the biggest one. one that yeah, you got to yeah. Because I was with. like a fan of hers yeah. beforehand, and then got to meet her. Who yeah, was the, who so was nice. your favorite performance out of all those? I guess it's a little unfair because you had a musical, you had some comedies, you had some dramas. But... Yeah, it's hard. No, it's hard, and it's hard because yeah. I was like, I like love Tom Hiddleston, um, <laughs> yeah. and so like, and I saw his play twice, and that was an amazing show. So maybe that was um, your favorite play of the ones that you saw. Yeah, I mean, it is definitely. It's not really my type of mm-hmm. thing because it's very yeah. like it's drama and it's yeah. sad and it's yeah. I don't know. I would say maybe like I was most impressed or like surprised by Martin Freeman's play. Mm-hmm. Just because he had, he clearly had like such a command of the the audience and the material, and it it was like surprising in a way, mm-hmm. because like Tom, I like knew exactly the the level of acting to expect from him, yeah. which is very high and demanding, and I was correct because he's a fantastic <laughs> actor, but um, Martin surprised me a little bit, but no, I mean everything I saw was like. So amazing, even when it was stuff that I wouldn't normally have seen, like Rosmer's Ohm is not something, Rosmer's Ohm, God, <laughs> is not something I would have seen <laughs> ordinarily, and it was still so crazy. There's a part in the where there's, like, like water, like, like not, like, floods the stage, but, like, rushes across the stage, and it was, like, wild, like, it was very... Actual water. Actual water. Not a, not ball pit no. stuff this time. No. Yeah. Yeah. That is all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for more geeky fun. Until then, check out our website, generationsgeek.com, for blog posts or to stream any of our episodes. And you can also consider dropping something in our tip jar on Ko-Fi or support us on Patreon, where we are slowly, very slowly, uploading some exclusive content. We were born on thechronicrift.com, but you can now also follow us directly on your favorite podcasting app. Please leave a review for us wherever you can. Tell your friends, your family, geeky strangers. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook. Thanks for listening, and come Come back back next time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.